I just wrote an essay. It's, it's going to be published this week um, in a literary magazine. And it's all about comparing myself to Gwen. I graduated from high school in 1972, the same year that Title IX passed. And so, um, you know, there, there just weren't sports for women. Um, in my lifetime. And um, girls could maybe um, be cheerleaders or, you know, play club basketball, but we didn't even play full court. We played half court basketball. It just, the opportunities weren't there. And so I think the, you know, we've come a long way since then. And um, there have been a lot of women, and I know Gwen will say this, a lot of women who have paved the way for her to do what she could do. And now, what she's saying is there are a lot of women who are mothers who are paving the way for the next generation, and, and Gwen being one of them, but there are many that have come before her. Um, uh, Nicholas Spearig, who came in second to Gwen at the Rio Olympics, um, was a mother, and she took the silver medal, and I think she's since had two more children, and I believe she might even still be competing. Um so, you know, things are changing and it takes, it takes an individual. Um, you know, it, it doesn't happen without somebody out there doing it and showing that it can be done. All right, everyone. Welcome back to The Broken Copier, a conversation about teaching. My name is Jim Mares, and some reminders about the show. This is an independent and listener-supported podcast. The goal of the show is to connect with a passionate, diverse group of educators to bring helpful analysis and collaboration to folks working in the classroom. Most importantly, the show is about saying thank you to all the teachers out there, past, present, and future, who understand their classroom practice through a lens of equity and change. If this is your first time listening, welcome. We'd love to hear from you on social media at The Broken Copier, and you can subscribe to episodes and other writing at thebrokencopier.substack.com. If you'd like to support, we'd love for you to rate and review the podcast wherever you stream, or to just text your friends a link to an episode so that they can tune in as well. Uh, and I'm very excited. Today on the show, we are interviewing authors Elizabeth and Nancy Jorgensen about their new book, Gwen Jorgensen, USA's First Olympic Gold Medal Triathlete. Uh, so Elizabeth and Nancy, welcome to The Broken Copier. Hello, thanks for having us. Um, so I'm really excited to talk to you both about the, the book itself. I know primarily that's sort of uh, what we're here for, but I also know that you both have a background in teaching and this is a, this is a teaching podcast. So I wondered if we could start with um, just sharing a little bit about your classroom experience first. I'll go first. I think it makes sense for you to go first. Yep. Sure, yeah. Um, I'm actually retired now, but I spent over 30 years teaching high school choir. Um, that's I amazing. spent a little bit, pardon me? I spent that's, a little I'm just saying that's amazing, yeah. Yeah. Um, I had a huge program um, the last 25 years, 400 kids I saw every day. We had um, five different choirs and I did music theater. Um, directed the pit band and coached the singers and um, just worked with a lot, a lot of kids and a lot of different kids who ended up singing. 
Wow. Where, so for people who aren't sure, where is that? Where did you lead that program? Well, Elizabeth and I were actually teaching in the same school for, um, well, when she started, she joined the school I was in. It's in Wisconsin, close to Milwaukee, um, kind of a suburb of okay. Milwaukee. Um, yeah. And so we, we spent a lot of time in the same building. <laughs> she would come down and we'd have lunch together. And um, I miss those days now that I'm not there anymore. Yeah. Elizabeth, how's that for you? Was that a great yeah. uh, job opportunity? <laughs> well, you know, I I never had this like calling. I never felt like, oh, I'm going to always be a teacher. But I think mom saw something in me that I was unable to see in myself. And you have to correct me, mom, if I'm remembering this differently than you are. But when I went to college, I remember you saying, why don't you just pick up a teaching license? Like you're going mm-hmm. for journalism, you're going for PR, but just get a teaching license, like just in case. And then when I ended up graduating, that just in case became very useful as I began applying for jobs. And um, I ended up applying at the school where mom worked. And I assumed she put in a good word for me. I thought she called someone, said something. I get in the interview and they say, why do you want to work here? And, you know, Mm -hmm. I list off some reasons and then I say, well, and my mom says such glowing things about the building and and you and they're like, who's your mom? Why are, what? And I was like, Nancy, Nancy Jorgensen. But yeah, she apparently did not give me a a good word. A pillar of integrity. No. Yeah. Straight up (laughs) and down the line. I love that. Right. Yeah. And so I've been there Um, 18 years and I teach creative writing to juniors and seniors. Um, They're a lot of the reluctant writers. Um, Mm -hmm. They're in my class a lot of times because they see it as the lesser of the evils of the options that they have. Mm -hmm. Um, But I really, I love um, what I'm able to do with my students to get them to write and publish their work and find a passion. That's, that's awesome. I'm an English teacher myself. I teach, um, I have two AP courses. Uh, I teach AP Lang, uh, which a lot of people know about. And I teach AP Seminar, which is um, a newer initiative from the College Board. It's like a research methods course. Um, but it's exciting because you get to, students have a lot more ownership over their research portfolio and it's, it's very self-directed. So, um, well, welcome. I'm really excited to be talking to two veteran teachers. And, and Nancy, I congratulations on your retirement. When did you retire? Uh, 2015. So it's been, okay. it's been a while now. Okay. Um, well, let's, let's transition to the book. So I've been reading through your notes. Um, and I, well, one, I'm a former college distance runner myself. Uh, so I ran D3 uh, at a at St. Lawrence, which is a liberal arts school in upstate New York. Uh, I'm not anywhere close to being an Olympian, but I know a little bit about sort of the time and the dedication that it takes to just be an endurance athlete. Um, And so knowing about this story about an Olympian and Gwen's journey to the Olympics, can you just start with like when you decided to turn this story into a book? I think it it um, came from Gwen. She we had written Elizabeth and I had written a, a family memoir about our journey, a family's journey to the Olympics, and you know, kind of what it was like from our perspective. Um, and Gwen's, I think Gwen might have even been a little bit self conscious about 
this book that was about her. And mm-hmm. she said, you know, if you're going to write a book, I would really like it to be for kids. I would like it to be so that young women and men um, see what it's like to have a great big dream and then suffer lots of failures and disappointments, but keep going. And eventually, even if they don't reach, you know, the original goal, they learn so much on the way. And, and she was just interested in collaborating with us and, and putting this out there into the market for young readers. Um, that is, I, I really am, I'm impressed and interested uh, at the idea of writing this book specifically with a lens uh, towards classroom instruction. Um, how, how did that, w- was that intentional for you when you were writing the book or was it something you thought a lot about? Did you find yourself like changing stories or I, I don't know, like how, how did, how did knowing you were writing this for kids and for classrooms, uh, app- like shape the way that you approach the book? I think I always envisioned maybe sports teams picking it up. And Mm -hmm. I was thinking of myself and also Gwen when we were that age in those middle grade, that young adult. And I'm really into celebrity and memoirs. And Mm -hmm. so I just kept thinking like, you know, if I was this little girl, what would I want to see in the text? And then we worked to try to implement some of those things, like an insider view at what Gwen was feeling in some of these moments or Um, even putting in some like worksheets or some guides for students to make a plan for their own dreams, be that athletic or academic or whatever that is. Um, And then we also put, um, after the book was done, we worked on an educator guide. So putting together some lesson plans, some activities specifically for the teachers or the coaches or whomever is leading like the students through the the book um, and then also linking that to the standards. That's that's fantastic. And uh, so to plug that real quick, if if I'm a teacher and I want to get access to those resources, what do I do? I mean, buy the book for one. Yeah, I think the easiest, <laughs> probably the easiest way is like to Google it. If you just type uh-huh. in like Gwen Jorgensen Educator Guide, you'll probably sure. find it. You can also reach us on any of our social media channels or our individual websites, which I'm sure you'll link into the show notes for mm-hmm. the listeners. Um, but yeah, or contact us. Like we are more than willing to set up some author talks or to lead some students through some workshops. That's awesome. Um, all right. So let's get to some fun stuff. What are some, what are some like fun? I don't want, you know, you don't need to give away the game here, but what are some, some fun stories or anecdotes that might really get people turned on to, to, you know, using the book and reading the book? I think one of the most interesting things, and we kind of came to this when we were, um, kind of into the book and we had written some things, um, Gwen writes letters to her former self and, um, I think you really get to see what she was thinking at that age. And some of it was a surprise to me. Um, you know, I didn't realize how intense she was about some of some of her passion for swimming and, and what she was aiming for. But then you also get to see the journey that, you know, where she is as an adult and how far she came from what she was thinking as a kid. And, um, you know, she gives herself advice, um, which any kid could take now, I think, or, or maybe just relate to and and see themselves in it. Excellent. Um, 
Can you talk about winning the gold medal a little bit? I mean, that's that must. What was that like as as Gwen's family? She went into that race. Um, she had had this string of victories, and there was all this pressure on her to win. She was the very clear favorite going into the race, and so. I was very, very nervous um, the day of the race. We were in Rio with, I think there were like 18 of us in the group together. Um, we were right on the beach as the race was starting. Um, and I saw Gwen's husband, Patrick, and I was like, oh my gosh, how is she? I'm so nervous. I can't. And Patrick looked at me and he was just very calm. And he said, all she's got to do is have an average day. She's got to be average. And I was like, what? Like, how, how can you not be shaking and like out, out of your mind right now? And he, he just really knew that Gwen had prepared and she had done everything that she needed to do. And she just literally had to be average in order to win the medal. And she did it, which I think is, you know, there is also a lesson there for kids that you put all this pressure on yourself. But if you've prepared well, if you've done all the little things right, you can show up and be average and have a huge success. Um, it was very fun, right? I mean, it was an amazing day. It's it's one of those memories that as a family um, we'll, we'll treasure forever. Elizabeth actually turned from teacher to cheerleader and she garnered the whole group of us every time we were in the grandstand. And so Gwen would make loops around. We would see her maybe seven times on the bike and then four times on the run. Every time she came past that grandstand, Elizabeth got up, told the crowd what we were going to cheer. Either it was USA, USA, or go Gwen, go, or whatever. And she 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 made she made us make a lot of noise and uh, I had to do something with my nervous energy <laughs> and i think gwen says that she heard she heard some of the noise some of the cheering that's that's um my it it, re- it reminds me so my wife's uh family and her her dad in particular is a big marathoner um uh, and we have some marathoners uh you know potentially in the family that are running Boston this year. And there's, there's a lot of anxiety and nerves and, uh, but you're right. Like, I think it really, it's a very important lesson for people. If you are prepared and you've done the work and you have a plan to just stick to the plan uh, and have some faith in yourself, that's really, that's, that's a really powerful lesson I think for young people to know. Yeah. And I think, you know, she obviously was in more control than we were. We were just watching in the stands. And so I, I had no control. And so I think I was, I know I was much more nervous than than she was on the line. And I, yeah. you know, I think for kids too, there's so many of our high school students have the idea that you can cram for an exam, do all your work the night before and go into it and just ace it. And that doesn't work at the Olympics. You know, you can't, you can't miss rehearsals or practices. I still, I still use music um, references. I, I call practices rehearsals, Um, but you can't, you know, you can't skip your workouts and cram the last week and think you're going to win a race. It's, it's that what Elizabeth was talking about, that daily incremental slow add up of work that gets you to the finish line. And if you've been really doing it every single day and you've established some consistency, then your average really is enough to win. Yeah. I think it's, it's, yeah, it can be very easy to see, you know, who wins the championships or who wins the gold medal. 
um, and think that it just kind of magically happens. But there's not, there's a lot of very hard work uh, and even sacrifice, I'm sure, especially at the Olympic level. Can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, what, what was it like um, supporting Gwen as, as her family members through, through all of this? People think she came out of nowhere. Um, because she was recruited by Team USA. Um, She was kind of like an unknown, and she didn't even know what triathlon was when Team USA found her. But looking back, you can see all of the years that she spent in the pool and then on the track that it was all work for the triathlon, even though it seems like she came out of nowhere. She really didn't. She's been working her whole life building these skills. And, you know, people ask me a lot, you know, what was it like sacrificing so much um, to get a child like that into the Olympics? And um, Gwen is, Gwen often says what she does is not sacrifice, it's investment. What, you know, what the choices she makes are just investments in herself. And um, when we were raising her, we had no idea that she was going to be an Olympian. I mean, she was a pretty good swimmer, but she wasn't going to national meets or she wasn't on the junior Olympic team. I didn't think we were raising an Olympian. I just did what I thought a good parent would do. And that is, you know, if she wants to swim and she has a passion for it, then we make time and, you know, get her to the pool. And with Elizabeth, she liked basketball and track. And so we got her to those activities. Um, I didn't think of it as a sacrifice. I just thought, well, kind of like Gwen thinks she's investing in herself. We were investing in our kids. And it was, uh, you know, it's a short time frame, really, when you're raising children. And so we put everything we had into it and knowing that, you know, it wasn't going to be forever. And then we ended up with a big bonus. (laughs) Yeah. What um, I think I read, what is what is she doing now? What is she investing in right now after uh, such a big success on the Olympic stage? Well, after she won the gold medal, um, she started a family. And so her first son is five years old and she has a newborn who's just turned three months old. So she's raising a family, but she also um, uh, tried her luck kind of a track and field or first the marathon, and then she kind of went into track and field, and she just announced that she's um, back pursuing triathlon. She's Her goal is to make the 2024 team and hopefully be on the triathlon relay. Wow, that's amazing. Um, one of the lessons, I think, in, ter- in terms of like winning a gold medal and getting all the fame and being in that kind of the spotlight, what are the types of lessons that that she and you are sort of taking after this? I mean, I you know, she's she's young, she has these big goals. How does her previous success inform what she's doing now and what are the important types of things that you think readers and and kids should take from that? I just saw Gwen inspire so many other people just by doing Gwen's best. Um she would have so many people reach out to her on social media or at races and say, you changed my life. Seeing you run this triathlon inspired me to get up off the couch and be active and lead a healthier lifestyle. And, you know, I always just think of that, that us being ourselves, just doing the best that we can, can really have a really 
like a huge reach beyond what we could ever anticipate. And I think for me, that's been, you know, humbling, but also inspiring to see how Gwen really has changed people's lives through triathlon. I think there's been some lessons yeah. about social media too. You know, um, she says that in the beginning, she was very sensitive to what people thought and what people said. And, you know, as a public figure, people say whatever they want on Twitter or Facebook or, and she's learned to be very much pleasing herself instead of trying to please whoever, you know, the anonymous names out there and just kind of cut through the noise. And, um, you know, she's, she is very much herself. She, she doesn't wear makeup. She doesn't care about fashion. Um, you know, you see some swimmers, um, on TV in the pool and before they swim a meet, they've, they've got the false eyelashes. Well, maybe not false eyelashes, but they do their makeup and they have their nails done. And Gwen just isn't into that. And, and so she doesn't do it. Um, she doesn't give into the pressure, you know, to be kind of that, the, have the look of a model. Um, and in many ways, I think she's just decided she's going to do what makes her happy and ignore all the chatter. And I, I think I think that's a good lesson that we've taken away from it too. Yeah. It makes me think um, a lot of my seminar students in particular are, um, they will, they have research questions right now and are, and are examining the different ways in which social media can reinforce sort of, you know, toxic beauty standards and um, making people feel a lot of pressure to, look a certain way or say the right things all the time. And um, yeah, it can be hard. It can be really stressful, especially as a, as a teenager. So um, it's very cool to have, you know, to know that success can look a lot of different ways. Yeah, for sure. Um, I would love to transition to uh, just women in sports and the importance of, Gwen being the first person to win or the first woman to win the Olympic gold and uh, the first American woman, is that right? To win Olympic gold. Um, talk about why this is so important. Cause I think that this is a really important theme that comes through in her story. I just wrote an essay. It's, it's going to be published this week um, in a literary magazine. And it's all about comparing myself to Gwen. I graduated from high school in 1972, the same year that Title IX passed. And so, um, you know, there, there just weren't sports for women um, in my lifetime. And um, girls could maybe um, be cheerleaders or, you know, play club basketball, but we didn't even play full court. We played half court basketball. It just, the opportunities weren't there. And so I think the, you know, we've come a long way since then. And um, there have been a lot of women, and I know Gwen will say this, a lot of women who have paved the way for her to do what she could do. And now what she's saying is there are a lot of women who are mothers who are paving the way for the next generation and, and Gwen being one of them, but there are many that have come before her. Um, uh, Nicholas Spearig, who came in second to Gwen at the Rio Olympics um, was a mother and she took the silver medal. And I think she's since had two more children and I believe she might even still be competing. Um, so, you know, things are changing and it takes, it takes an individual. 
um, you know, it, it doesn't happen without somebody out there doing it and showing that it can be done. And triathlon is a sport with equal pay. The men and the women, when they cross the line, they get the same prize purse. And I think that that's a real pride for people in the triathlon community, that it is equal across gender. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's, uh, that's very, that's very important. And that's, that's, that's good to know. Cause I, I, especially in a lot of other sports, like I know basketball comes to mind. There's big discrepancies with basketball and soccer. Um, so as you look out, you have, you have this big story. And as you're, you're thinking about the book, why you, you said you noticed, um, a gap sort of in the landscape. Why do you think that there's not, um, a lot of books written about women in sports and how do you see, and how do you see this story filling uh, what I would say is a very important gap, especially for young women. Well, that's the thing, right? We looked for comps, like where are the nonfiction books about female athletes for middle grade and young adult kids? Like, where are they? We really struggled to find comparables. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it, it felt like a natural thing to at least put one book out there about a sport that maybe is not as well known. You know, there's, there's basketball books and football books and the triathlon is, it's a very niche sport. Um, So I, you know, I think there's an opportunity to learn about the sport as you read the book. And we do have some sidebars um, and sort of pullouts that help young readers um, understand the sport. There's a lot of nuance to it. Um, I'm thinking of just mounting a bike with Mm -hmm. clip-in pedals. That's very foreign to somebody who's never done it before. And so we try to spell it out, um, you know, play by play for, for the readers. I wonder if, um, have you heard or like, is Gwen involved in, in programs that are other programs that are encouraging, uh, especially young girls and women to, uh, get into either triathlon or other distance athletes? Because I know for, uh, from personal experience, I mean, track and field is a huge opportunity for, um, it's an amazing experience. I had an amazing experience with it in college. And I, I just feel like it's not um, sort of it's not revered. It, maybe it's a tough spectator sport, but it's just an, it's just such a fun endurance sport is a really amazing discipline. Um, and I I didn't know if there was any programs or initiatives that have come along uh, through this that you see as really hopeful or inspiring to get more girls and women into either triathlon or track or other endurance sports. There are programs around the country, and I know Gwen has been involved in some of them. There's one in Chicago, which is actually right in the city center of Chicago, um, you know, trying to get kids involved. And I'm not going to be able to come up with the names of these organizations, but um, she does get involved. And, you know, I think um, it just takes someone to approach her. And similar to how she she wanted this book to be for young kids, um, she makes time in her life when there's a group of kids and they approach her and say, you know, could you come and do a workshop session or could you speak to us over zoom or um, could you just make a visit? Um, That's, that's kind of, she tries to limit her time because she, especially because she's got two kids now, but that's the one thing she'll make time for is to help out a a group of kids. And she, well, she had, go ahead. I bet you're going to talk about the scholarship. I am. Yeah. You want to do it? Go ahead. 
so she, when she was in the thick of triathlon training the first time around, she started the Gwen Jorgensen Scholarship Fund and teams or kids or families, whomever, could apply for this scholarship. And it was more than just money. Um, yes, she would give money and you know, help with gear, but she also mentored these kids. She would get on Zoom calls with them. She would text them. And, you know, I, she shared with me some of the thank you notes that kids wrote or little emails. And you could just tell that she made a huge impact on these young people, you know, to be able to be mentored by an Olympic gold medalist. That's, that's a huge deal. Yeah, it is. It's, that's very special. And it's, uh, it's a testament to her and, um, yeah, connecting with I, I feel like people can you can never really underestimate the impact that you can have just by talking to kids and saying, This is what I did and here's how I did it and here's here's what you can do too. Um for me, I think something that a lot of people maybe don't recognize or appreciate about endurance sports is how fun it is. And I wonder if you could sell us a little bit on like why this is so fun for Gwen and, and what, what are the super fun parts of um, either triathlon or, or just endurance sports more broadly? You know, she says that she just loves to push herself. She just loves to find her limits. And um, for a while she was talking a lot about suffering, how um, she enjoys suffering or, and I, I think what that means is she knows that if she's pushing herself, it's going to be a challenge. She's going to feel it physically. And so she enjoys knowing that she's pushing herself to her limits and discovering what she's got inside. Um, and, you know, it's like good saying, people too. Yeah. It's good people. Like she, she was training with this international group of triathletes um, over in like New Zealand, area. And it just was so cool to see how all of these athletes from across the world representing different countries came together to train every day in this daily performance environment. Um, even though they are competitors on the course, they really were rooting for each other. They're cheering each other on, you know, they're liking each other's posts on social media. It's just a cool community, I think, to be a part of. And you probably know this as a distance runner. There's just a different edge to mm -hmm. endurance athletes. Um, they're meticulous, they're thoughtful, uh, very focused and dedicated. And, you know, I just, I enjoy them as people. Oh I yeah. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I also think there's, there's a pride. Sorry, in, Nancy, go ahead. I, I just, I think there's a pride in the triathlon community about, about it being a clean sport. And, um, you mm -hmm. know, Gwen was um, tested regularly but you just don't hear about some of the scandals that you do in some of the other sports um, in triathlon. And I, I just, I sense that from the athletes that they, they do it and they're, they're proud of their achievements and that they're clean achievements. Yeah. I remember um, my high school cross country team did this. I know this is a common phrase among a lot of high school cross country teams, but we had these t-shirts made that said, our sport is your sports punishment. Uh, <laughs> Which, you know, we really liked. But I think, you know, it's it's a joke about, I think, it, it, there is an edge. There is a level of seriousness and uh, pride that people take in. Uh, I mean, for me, triathlon seems extremely intimidating. I don't know if I'll, I, I don't know if I'll ever get into it. Uh, but it is. It's, it's tough. And you, I think it, there's a lot of lessons to be learned about self-discipline and sacrifice and 
just sort of being gritty and toughing things out. If you want to do it, you can do it. I would say find a coach, find a team, and seriously, like, do it. If, if you've got any little inkling, um, my dad and I did a bucket list sort of triathlon together, and I am not a strong swimmer. I get very overwhelmed in the water, and I breaststroked the entire way, and I still was in the top half when I exited the water. Like, y- you can do it. Well, and I think Gwen... Gwen was intimidated. You know, she she was a swimmer and she was a runner. She graduated from college and she was working as a CPA when USA Triathlon noticed her and said, we think you could be a triathlete. And she laughed at them. She said, I don't even own a bike. How could I be a triathlete? She was intimidated by one third of the sport. And they said, oh, you, we can teach you that. And they, you know, she had to be convinced to even try it. And then you know, as, as she was learning the bike, um, there were, there were a lot of days that were very hard. Um, you know, she, she would tip over at stop signs and couldn't even remain upright. Um, so, you know, the best people are intimidated sometimes as they start the sport and who knows where they can go. But I think there's also the lesson of somebody saw in Gwen, a talent that she didn't even know she had. Sort of similar to my story, right? I didn't know that I was going to be a good teacher. Mom, you saw that in me. And then being open to what people around you see and then, you know, having having faith in both them and yourself and then working together to try to achieve whatever that goal is. Well, I'm sold. Maybe I'll give it a sh- maybe you've you've convinced me. I might give it a shot. I suppose that's the whole point of the book, right? Is to get more people into triathlon. Um so yeah, I, I would love to just close out by I, I don't know if you have heard any feedback from teachers or like how how do you see the book playing out in classrooms and uh what do you hope for the book what do you hope for the book uh moving forward? I hope that young people pick it up and that they enjoy it, that they find, you know, just a love of reading in Mm -hmm. it. Um, We were talking to E-Train. I don't know if you know him, but he does middle grade book reviews. And just to see his enthusiasm for our book, it like, I feel like it made my whole life. Like that is all that I want is for a little kid to pick it up and say, I enjoyed it. And I think, yeah, absolutely. We both hope that somebody picks up the book, reads it, and it might not even be someone who's interested in sports, but they see that you can have a big dream and that if you work hard and if somebody helps you along the way, um, maybe you won't achieve you know, your great big dream, but you will discover more about yourself. And there might be people you meet along the way who you'll make great relationships with, and they might find something in you that you didn't even know you had. And that whether you're a musician or an actor or somebody who's interested in writing or sports or whatever, um, you can have big dreams and, and find a way to follow them. I love that. I love that. Thank you very much. Um, Nancy Elizabeth Jorgensen, thanks so much for coming on. The new book, uh, Gwen Jorgensen, USA's first Olympic gold medal triathlete. Uh, best of luck with everything. Um, best of luck to Gwen in her future pursuits. I will be following her and rooting for her for sure and, and rooting for you both and, and uh, advocating for the book for sure. Thank you. Thank you so much. 
All right. Thank you very much for coming on. Of course. You're welcome. The Broken Copier is an independent, listener-supported podcast for teachers. The show is written, hosted, and produced by Marcus Luther and myself, Jim Mares. Thanks to Alberto Lugo, a former student of mine, for writing and producing original intro music. Born and raised in Brooklyn, Alberto is an independent DJ and music producer based in New York City. You can find his work on Instagram at DJ Synchro and explore his portfolio at djsynchro.weebly.com. Thanks to Tom Chitari, a jazz musician, composer, and teacher based in Australia. Right now, you're listening to Woodstock from his album Garden, available on Spotify. You can stream all his music on Spotify under the name Uncivilized, on Instagram at banduncivilized, and online at uncivilizedtom.com. You can even sign up for remote guitar lessons with Tom, just like I do. Thanks to my sister, Courtney Malavik, for the graphic design you see on our social media and episode posts. Thanks to Brandon Piasecki for helping to get this project off the ground. You can leave us an audio message at podinbox.com slash brokencopier. We might be able to respond and feature it in the next episode. The goal of the show is to connect with a passionate, diverse group of educators, bring helpful analysis and collaboration, and celebrate everyone doing the hard work in the classroom. We hope to connect and direct time, resources, and energy towards concrete efforts that will improve student outcomes, especially in marginalized and underserved communities. We are not the only ones doing this. We want to honor and say thank you to the many educators out there, past, present, and future, who already understand their classroom practice through a lens of equity and change. We'd love to connect with you, hear about what you're doing, and give you a space to share your work. If you want to support the show, you can help us grow and connect for free. Reach out on social media at The Broken Copier, text an episode link to your friends in education, or even share an episode to your own social media feeds. You can email thoughts, feedback, and ideas to thebrokencopier at substack.com. You can also read other essays and thoughts on teaching at thebrokencopier.substack.com, where we publish all of our episodes available wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.